0: Welcome to House of Hope Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message from this past Sunday. For more information about other messages or events at House of Hope, visit www.ihope.today. All right, everybody's got their coffee. You're good to go. Mikhail is calm, which is good. <laughs> uh, okay, I think I want to pray first. Let's do that. Father, I just pray that you come, and that as I speak, you anoint my words. Father, I pray that um, hope would be released this morning, and that whatever people need to hear and get out of this message, that's what they're going to hear and get out of it. I just thank you, Father, for that. Amen. Okay. So, we're going to hang out in the Old Testament this morning, because it's kind of my favorite. So, Um, yeah, but... Jeff asked me to speak, uh, I think it was early last week and I'm like, I have got this. I can do this. I'm, you know, I'm on mat leave. So I've got time during the day to work on it. (laughs) You're right. Uh, you should have seen me when I was, I was trying to listen to a webcast and I'm sitting at my Island and I've got Mikhail on one side of me in the high chair. I've got some food there. I've got Ella right on the other side of me with her books and the iPad. And here I am trying to listen. And the lady on the call, she's like, put away all distractions. Close your doors. (laughs) I'm like, oh, yeah. If only you knew what I looked like right now. Uh. But anyway, so Thursday comes and I'm like, I've got nothing. I don't know. So I'm like, I'm going to go for a walk because the last time I felt like I needed to hear God, I went for a walk and he talked to me. So kids in the stroller and off we go. I'm praying in tongues, mostly just to calm myself down, <laughs> like, walking along. And finally, by the end of the trail, I'm like, okay, I think I got it. I take a bunch of notes on my phone and I get home and I don't have any time to work on it. So I'm like, okay, this is okay. I'll, I'm going to read my Bible when the kids go to bed. So I do that and I fall asleep because I mean, it's 830 and... I'm tired. <laughs> so Friday, I'm like, I'm just going to start typing, and here we go. So um, this is what we're doing. We are going to Genesis, you guys. So I'm going back to the last place where I really felt God was breathing on for me. And uh, basically, um, I know that we as a church, we all just went through a prosperous soul. So when I was doing my chapter 5 homework, um, this one scripture really stood out to me. So it's in Genesis fifty, nineteen to 20. So I'll give you a chance to get there. Five zero. Um, actually, I think I like it. This, uh, I've got the NIV, but I found that the NIV on my phone had different words than my NIV here. So that was a little bit odd, but I'm going to read it from here. So it says, but Joseph said to them, do not be afraid from I in God's place. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. Um, I really had to stop in that moment because, um, considering all that he had gone through, and in this moment he stands in front of his brothers and he's like, um. Am I in God's place? So, um, for me, I mean, instantly I'm like, well, if somebody did that to me. I'd be offended. I'd want to get back at them. So I really had to do some checks in my heart to figure that out. Like, oh, that's, that's gotta, you know, come out. So, um, basically it, it comes from, so Joseph's story and it starts around chapter 37. If you want to go all the way back, cause we are at 50 and now we're going back to 37. Um, but I'm going to basically go through the gist of it all with you this morning. Uh, he was 17 years old when he was sold into slavery, 17. So could you imagine? I know we've got a few of you here today that are that old. Um, and the brothers, they did this because they were actually jealous of their father's love for him. Um, so also because he was interpreting dreams where... Um, they were all going to bow down before him. So granted, you know, that's going to cause a little bit of sibling rivalry. <laughs> um, so what they decide to do is sell him to, um, or first they're, they're like, we're going to kill him. Right? So the oldest Reuben, he convinces the brothers not to kill them and, um, instead to put him into a cistern and this way it was going to give him a chance to go back later and save him and bring him back to their father. um, However, Judah, their his other brother, he comes up with the idea to sell him because he's like, maybe we shouldn't kill our own flesh and blood. You know, maybe just better to sell him. So along come a group of Ishmaelites uh, that bought him for 20 shekels. And, that, and then they took him on to Egypt. I was actually going to look up what that was worth today, but does anyone know 20 shekels, what that's worth? No? Okay. Um, so now... Now he's in Egypt, and he sold as a slave in Potiphar's house. And and Potiphar is an official um, of—or sorry, he's a captain of the guard in in Pharaoh's army. So in chapter 39, verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph, and he prospered. The Lord gave him success in everything he did. So Potiphar saw this and put him in charge of his entire household and all that he owned. Okay, so he's doing okay, he's sold into slavery, he ends up you know, working for this guy who's in charge and then he gets put in charge of everything because God's favor is on him. But this is until Potiphar's wife wants to sleep with him. It's a little bit of a problem. So she tries and tries and he keeps saying no and no. You know, my mas he's like, My master's and trust me with everything except for you, obviously, you know. And so she finds a way to accuse him, anyways. She gets a hold of his cloak and he runs off, but then she, you know, accuses him falsely, and so then Potiphar is burning with anger and he puts him in prison. So Joseph, prison again for doing nothing wrong, mostly for acting with integrity. Um so he's not just in any prison though. He is where the king's prisoners go. All right. So this is his second round of unjust captivity. However, the Lord is still with them and grants some favor and kindness in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden, or so then the warden puts Joseph in charge of everything again. He's in charge of all the people there and everything that goes on. So he, you know, he probably doesn't have it too bad considering it's a dungeon, though. Um, <laughs> so in, if we're looking at Genesis thirty-nine twenty-three, 23 uh, the warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. So this is a man of integrity. He's a prisoner, but he still works on the best behalf of his master, so much so that they didn't have to pay attention to what he was doing. All right, so then the tables turn a little bit. Uh, he eventually gets out of prison, which is great for him, right? So h- how, this, how this happens, um, we're going to look at Genesis 40, okay? We're moving along here. You guys like tours through the Old Testament, right? <laughs> okay. Uh, 40 verse 8, but I think I'm actually going to back up a little bit. Um, so the the cupbearer and the baker, they're in prison with him because Pharaoh was mad at them, so they, he just threw them in there for a little bit. Um, so we're going to start in verse 6. When Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. So he asked Pharaoh's officials, who were in custody with him in his master's house, Why are your faces so sad today? We both had dreams, they answered, but there is no one to interpret them. Then Joseph said, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. Okay, so that that is amazing. Here's a man who's been thrown into prison, right? And you would think at this point, he'd be like, God, where are you? You know, I am here for no reason. But instantly, his response was, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. No question, right? Um. So this is, he's just like this man of faith, you know, do you have that kind of absolute trust in God when you're going through stuff? You know, I know sometimes I waver. I I was thinking back to when I had shingles after Mikhail was born and I really was like, God, what is going on? I really, you know, had some hard questions for him. So, um, you know, like, are you, what, what's your first response? You know, is it trust or is it opposite of that? So. Joseph specifically asks these two to remember him when they get out of prison because he interprets their dreams, right? One, um, basically, he says, you're going to get out of here in three days. The other one, you're going to be killed in a few days. So, not so good news. Um, So the baker was killed, so he's a little bit off the hook for not remembering Joseph because he doesn't really get out of prison. Um, But the cupbearer was out of prison uh, and didn't remember Joseph until two years later. It was two years And that's the day that Pharaoh needed a dream interpreted. Um, By this time, Joseph was 30 years old. Okay, so 13 years have gone by since he was taken from, from his home, from his father, from his brothers. And now he's about to enter the king's palace. Okay, so let's just do a little bit of a recap from those 13 years. So he was sold as a slave by his envious brothers. He ruled over Potiphar's household and all of his things. He was thrown into prison for being wrongly accused. He ruled over everyone and everything going on in the prisons. He interpreted dreams. He had the favor of the Lord. He stayed steadfast and he trusted. Okay. So here we have it. This is the big day. Okay. Okay. In chapter 41, verse 16, Pharaoh sent for Joseph and he was quickly brought from the dungeon when he had shaved and changed his clothes. He came before Pharaoh. So that's the turning point. At this point, Joseph had 13 years of experience being second in command and in charge of everything for his two masters. The favor of the Lord had been with him the whole time, even though God didn't rescue him you know, before being sold into slavery. Right. But the Lord was still with him every single day. And also I really want to highlight is the fact that he had to change and shave before coming before the King. You have to know your audience. Um, he'd been second in command in charge over the prison, but now his assignment was changing his years of training for number three. Okay. I'm calling it number three because he's already had two assignments of leadership. So we're coming up now where he has to get dressed for his new audience. So you must know your audience. You're not going to show up in rags before the king. You know, the people who serve Potiphar knew better. So they're getting him ready on the outside. They're the ones that had to get him all shaved and bathed up probably. And then, but he had been training inwardly for 13 years. You know, you still have to get dressed for the main event. Okay. So here's a few questions for you guys. What does your training ground look like? Hey, for Joseph, it was 13 years in and out of prison, 13 years being in charge of someone else's world. So what are you being entrusted with right now? Just some things to ponder. You know, can you find any consistencies in your life that have happened that are preparing you for the main event? What are these things doing to equip you for your number three? Hmm. All right. So what do you need to shave and change your clothes for? Now, are you ready? Um, I've been working in an office for about 13 years myself. So, um, I started after high school, I actually went and sold magazines door to door across Canada, did that for a couple years. And then I came back and went to college. After that, I, uh, I'm gonna give you a bit of my resume here. <laughs> I worked at the Métis Association. Uh, I think it was three or four years um, until, so basically what had happened, I had a, a one month contract when I first started there and then I just kept getting new contracts as they were coming up. And um, finally one day I decided I was gonna share my big dream. <laughs> well, that didn't really work out so well for me. So they ended my contract And here I am. I've got a mortgage. I'm like, okay. And two weeks severance. I'm freaking out. Praying in tongues probably a lot. (laughs) like, God, what am I going to do? And actually, which it turned out I was able to get my job at TransCanada. And I've been there ever since. Um, And that job actually has taught me so many new skills. And it allowed me to leave to go to ministry school and then come back. And get a promotion so nice. I just really love how God really worked that out you know here I thought I was gonna be like I don't know in trouble and then it just all has worked out amazing um, so I've I've also been dreaming about starting my own business and I've you know it's been on my heart for quite a while um but it was something that I just wasn't really sure how to make into a reality. And so I did a bunch of research and then finally I found something like, oh, I think this is the key. This is it. I can, I can make this happen. And it was basically just changing a wording of what I wanted to do that really opened that up for me. Um, and so I actually went on to Squarespace cause I'm like, I'm going to start a web page, and I didn't do anything with it. And then I think it was April of this year. I get an email from them saying, oh, by the way, just wanted to let you know you've had this for a year and you don't have to do anything, but we just have to remind you. It's been a year and I've done nothing. Awesome. Okay. Uh, I knew I would need to wait until probably Mikhail was around six months old though. So I'll give that to myself. Um, anyway, so I, when Brian and I went to the heaven and business conference, uh, it was, I don't know, over a year ago now, but, um, I got a prophetic word there and God just so politely was telling me, get your, get your butt off the fence. You're really entertaining sitting on the fence, but come on, let's go. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's really great how encouraging he can be. And now he's showing me things daily. Um, where it's just like, I've got you, you can do this. And so it's just so exciting how he can just point out tiny little things where you know that he has his eye on you and saying, come on, you can do it. You can do it. Um, you know, just because for me, I have to plow through some stuff, mostly some headspace where it's just like, I can't do this. What am I thinking? And so just when I see those things that God's showing, I'm like, okay, I can do this. And that hope, It just rises up, right? And so um, when I was writing this, I really felt like God gave me a word for the body. And so I just want to share that with you right now. I feel this is a time of promotion for the Church of Cranbrook. It's a time when we're going to begin to see an exchange of what made us poor and lacking to a season of endurance to run the race ahead of us of abundant increase. This is a season where you're going to see jobs shift relationships and families shift. Your finances are going to shift. Debts are actually going to be released and homes are going to be bought and sold to increase the kingdom. Heaven is going to invade earth like never before. And you need to be like the five virgins, the five wise virgins in Matthew 25. Make sure you're ready to go because God will do it soon. Okay? Um, so back to Joseph, right? He's, he's now standing before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh is asking him if he can interpret the dream. Okay, so we're going to look at chapter 41, verse 16. Um, Joseph answers him and says, I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh. But God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. So Joseph interprets the dream for him because Pharaoh dreamt about the famine, right? And so there's going to be seven years of famine, seven years of abundance, And he gave it to him twice because God has firmly decided that he's going to do it and that he's going to do it soon. Um, Then he goes on in verse 33 and he gives him a plan. This is Joseph giving him a plan how to survive it. You know, so when I read this, you know, all the training that Joseph had in the last 13 years gave him the wisdom to know what to do. Um, He had the business smarts and he had the courage to stand before Pharaoh and say, this is what you must do. Could you imagine standing before a king and giving him direction, right? Probably need a little bit of courage for that. So this was to look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. Abundance. Collect all the food of these good years and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food and to hold the food in reserve for the country so they have it during the seven years of famine so the country won't be ruined. So, with that, you know, Pharaoh's looking around and he's like, Do we know anyone this wise? You know, that would know how to do all of this. And they see the wisdom of God on Joseph and say, You're in charge. So he ends up being in charge of the entire kingdom except for the matters of the throne. Right? Hmm. Yeah. (laughs) So he saves Egypt from ruin, right? Could you imagine if he became bitter or if he had spent those 13 years plotting how to get back at his brothers or if he had shut down on God and said, uh-uh, you weren't there for me, so I'm just going to make it on my own. He saved an entire nation. Because what happens um, here, like, he... Oh, sorry, I'm, I'm skipping ahead. Holding in suspense here. Um, basically, he saves Egypt from ruin. And he makes the country rich because of what they do. They actually end up having to sell their land to Pharaoh. Because they have nothing left. Cause the seven years is so long. Um, all right. Then one day his brothers show up, right? And after their father dies, they're standing in front of him, freaking out. That's where, um, Genesis 50 comes back in where he's standing there in front of them, saying, don't be afraid for am I in God's place, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. He doesn't let them off easy though kind of torments them a little bit. (laughs) So um, he puts them through, through this, like he, he makes them think that they're going to go to prison because he has his servants put their silver back into their, into their sacks or whatever um, that they came to buy the food with. And then when they get home and they open, they're like, they're going to think that we stole this. And, and then he puts a silver cup in his youngest brother, Benjamin's bag. And, then he sends the troops after them to accuse them. So they think they're going to go to prison. And then they're going to kill their father for guilt of getting the youngest son, Benjamin, put in prison. Because basically their father doesn't want to let Benjamin go. Benjamin is the youngest son now. And um, he's like, you're going to kill me with grief if he doesn't come back. So they're, the brothers are freaking out because Joseph has kept him. <laughs> so, that's, you know, he got a little bit there. Uh, okay. So, uh, what happens though, is that, um, he, Joseph can't handle giving them a hard time anymore. He finally breaks down with grief and he reveals to them who he is and they end up sending, uh, his brothers back and they, they go and get, um, all of their family, all of their livestock. Uh, he sends carts and carriages and everything so that they can go back and get this and bring it back to Egypt with their father, Jacob who is also known as Israel. Um, so here we have reunion between father and son, uh, the very uh, son that Jacob thought he lost 13 years prior is now going to save his entire household, his entire family line from famine. So it wasn't just a reunion between father and son, but a restoration of hope. It was a rescue of 70 plus people. And I say plus because the uh, the wives of the sons weren't counted in the Bible there. Um, and it, it was a rescue of a nation, right? This was the Israelites. Uh, this was one of their first rescues because they needed a few. Um, in Genesis 47, verse 6, in the, land of e- in the land of Egypt is before you. Settle your father and your brothers in the best part of the land. Let them live in Goshen. And if you know of any among them with special ability, put them in charge of my own livestock. So that's Pharaoh speaking. Um, So the brothers come back and they get the best land and the best jobs. It's not bad, hey, for surviving a famine. Um, One thing that I really want to point out to you guys, though, is that Joseph didn't know what he was going to be doing. He didn't know he'd be in charge of all of Egypt. So I'm not saying this morning that you need to figure everything out. Um, or feel overwhelmed if you don't have all of the answers. Um, if you don't have a plan yet. Or if you have many plans. And you're like, I don't know which door to go through. They're all open. Right? So... I think it's just important to know that in your equipping time, it is preparing you for your next step because God's favor is on you, right? Joseph trusted God. And in all that time, he hadn't become bitter or turned away from him. And when it came to interpreting dreams, he instantly said, tell me your dreams. When he was given favor, he made a plan of action for Egypt. Let whatever is in your makeup be your plan of action, right? It's going to be your path to your next step. And trust God and that he is with you. Because back then, this was a time when God was external, right? And now that the Holy Spirit is within you, making those steps is a lot easier. In Genesis forty-seven twenty-seven. The Israelites settled in Egypt in the region of Goshen. They acquired property there and were fruitful and increased greatly in number. So before Joseph died, he was able to see the third generation of Ephraim's children. Ephraim was one of his sons. Like his father Jacob, he reiterated the promise that God will surely come to their aid And bring them out of this land into the land he promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So they're in the land of Egypt, but they're not forgotten. There's still a promise saying that you will be brought out of here. So there are still promises that are coming that they get to hold on to. So I want to leave you with hope that trusting God in your daily process is something you can absolutely count on. You were born for today, for this moment, right? um, And when you arrive at your number three, or even during your number two or one, you're going to be fully equipped. You know, whatever that is for you. Um, Joshua had all of this because he had God's favor on him. You know, and it, here in the new covenant now, we're all sons and daughters. So we get to have that as well. Right? We just have to pull on it, declare it, see increase, and go. Yeah. So, that's all I have for you this morning. All right, let's pray. Um, yeah, let's pray and close. Father, I just thank you for what you have equipped this body with. That this is a season for abundant increase. Lord, I thank you that you are revealing to every person what you are equipping them with and that your, your favor and your kindness toward them is opening up doors that otherwise wouldn't be opened. Thank you, Lord, for giving them the wisdom to know what to do and to give you the surrender of their hearts to walk it out, even when it doesn't look like you're there. God, I thank you that we can absolutely trust you. Amen. Thanks for listening to our Sermon of the Week. Our desire is that you will be changed by the love of the Father and the power of his presence. For more information about House of Hope, visit us at www.ihope.today.